0: After a year when every movie felt like a streaming movie, the Oscars last night tried to reward the best filmmaking in one of the movie industry's most challenging years. The result was an Oscars that nobody will forget, even if they'd really like to. I'm Joni Salzman, and this is your Daily Charge. Joining me today is Rich Nightwell, CNET's Senior Editor for TV and Movies. I'm filling in for Roger today, but I'm CNET's Senior Writer, covering the intersection of media and tech. So, Rich, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's exciting. It's, uh, it's, it's just an honor to be nominated, you know?
0: <laughs> exactly. So so catch us up, Rich. For those who didn't watch, what were the highlights and the lowlights Of the Oscars, Uh,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, it was um, it was it was a a particularly diverse year for the Oscars. It was a kind of groundbreaking uh, year for the number of uh, people of color nominated. There was a very real chance going into it that uh, Mm -hmm. that all four acting awards would go to people of color. Um, We had the uh, Chloe Zhao was the first woman of color to win uh, Best Director, and only the second woman to win Best Director. So there's like a real um, a real sense that the Oscars, which have sometimes been criticised for being out of touch are uh, kind of in in tune with the with the moment, uh, especially when you see that, that that quite a few of the films were were things like true stories, and especially or about the experience of uh, of of marginalised communities in the kind of American experience, um, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, you had uh, in the in the best movie, the best picture category, you had two films that were kind of intersected, and they were both about a similar period of history. Um, uh, the Trial of the Chicago Seven and uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which both kind of had a bit of crossover in some of the real life people who were seen in those movies, uh, which and those movies were movies about protest and uh, and the you know the the African American experience. So um, yeah, it's it's. I think it was uh, it was a really kind of refreshing time for the Oscars to be in touch with the moment. Um, obviously, it's the Oscars, so there was still a fair share of ridiculousness. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was it was kind of interesting, and especially like you say, in such a weird, disrupted year with the uh, with the pandemic.
0: Right. So now you're based in London. So did you actually did you get to watch the telecast? Were you sleeping like you should have been?
1: <laughs> it was in the middle of the night, so I just I thought you know what I'm going to do I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to look at the gifts and try and figure out what on earth is going on. <laughs>
0: So one of the things that of course had to change is um, the format of the ceremony because of the pandemic, there was more spacing in between people. You know, you're not all crammed into the same theater um, to get these awards presented in a gigantic, you know, area. Um, But they also made a few changes in format. Like they unveiled Best Pictures win before Best Actor and Best Actress. Like they didn't end the night with Best Picture, which was odd.
1: Right. Yeah, because you think that that's going to be the big finish, you know, the big finale, and then they they changed it around, and uh, and clearly, well, I mean, we I don't know if it's been confirmed, but it seemed like they they changed it around because they thought the big finish was going to be uh, the late Chadwick Boseman winning Best Actor, right, and then he didn't. Right. And then the award went to uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins, fantastic actor. Um, you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of Anthony Hopkins, obviously, from, uh, from, if he's a British actor, that's, that's fantastic. But he wasn't even there because, you know, he's 83. He's, he's the oldest out, Oscar winner now. Wow. Um, and he wasn't there. So it was a little bit of a, a damp squib. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was kind of an odd, odd thing. It was just a bit of a sort of awkward format, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. And one of the things that also stuck out was, you know, it was supposed to be a ceremony. um, The people that produced it, which include the director, Steven Stolterberg, he was one of the producers of this reimagined idea of what the Oscars should be. They're pitching it as like, bring your love of the movies to the Oscars and sort of like Mm. reinvigorating all the things that people have missed about going to the movies, you know, not it's great to be able to, and that's another thing we can talk about, is like these were some of these these nominees and winners have been some of the most easily accessible from home of any Oscar season. So it's because for a lot of people around the world, and a lot of, especially a lot of people in, in the U.S., it's really difficult to go see a movie in a theater still, let alone over the course of this season. And so while it was a lot easier for people to possibly see these movies, there's the downside of it that, You know, nobody actually talked about how wonderful, like the wonders of going to a a cinema and like being in that darkened room that Frances McDormand, she won for best actress. She was one of the very last awards of the night. And she, I think is the only person that actually talked about when you have the chance, when you can get back to theaters, do that go into a dark room mm. sit shoulder to shoulder with people and have that collective experience and nobody else really talked about that
1: you know yeah you're right and it's it is strange i mean i'm a film critic and i've been into a movie theater i think uh twice in the last once in the last sort of year to 18 i went to see tenet over the last 12 to sort of 14 months and that's the only thing i've I've uh, been to see. I remember, um, but it's just it's awkward though, isn't it? Because we're in this kind of time where I, I don't I, I don't think anybody wants to say like, let's go to, go to a theater and sit with a bunch of people that you don't know who you, you don't know where they've been. I exactly. remember um, when I the last movie I reviewed just before lockdown happened in here in the here in the UK, uh, which was March last year, was uh, was Bloodshot. And even when I went to see that, uh, that we were sort of in a moment where we were about to lock down and no one knew quite what was happening. And I was reviewing this movie, which is just a very, I don't know why I'm talking about bloodshot you know, in Oscars podcast. These are very, very different worlds, but, um, that, that's a kind of B movie and I was sort of thinking how can I recommend do you go and risk your health to go and see this this terrible movie? Um, but <laughs> it, it, it's true yeah I mean the, the good side of it is that like, like you say there's uh, there's been so much access to, to all of these films they've come out earlier they've been on streaming services uh, they, they you know they've just had a bit more kind of space in the conversation because a lot of the big blockbusters just haven't come along. Um, I think that's a really good thing. There's the, there, can, there can be a real disconnection between the Oscars and award ceremonies and what people actually go to see. Exactly. So it, it'll be really cool if this year people are watching *Nomadland* and they are watching Judas and the Black Messiah* and *Minari* and, and *Sound of Metal* and all these all these great movies, um, and watching that you know taking a chance on these smaller movies that they might not necessarily have watched at other times. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I think that we're, we're missing we're kind of missing the spectacle. I guess you know there's no kind of big blockbusters that that we can kind of celebrate what the big big screen experience is like the physical big screen and seeing you know effects extravaganzas and musical numbers and colorful action and all you know the the kind of the the real big screen stuff um and and the oscars is a is a kind of at an inflection point now where we are coming out of lockdown and people do need to think about like what's the theater industry going to look like? Are theaters closing? We've already seen theatres start to close. We've seen theaters in trouble. We've seen theaters like studios doing deals for streaming services that make the future of theaters uncertain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we love going to the movies, then then we need to kind of think about what that's going to look like. Like you say, like, let's let's celebrate that. But it is an awkward time to say, right, let's all charge back into, into movie theaters and like cram up next to each other and throw popcorn into each other's mouths. (laughs)
0: Exactly. There's a lot of people, I think, that feel rightfully so feel really nervous Mm. um, about even as we relax and, you know, with vaccines becoming more prevalent, at least, you know, we're talking I'm from a U.S. perspective, you're from a U.K. perspective. You know, vaccines are becoming more available and opening up those capabilities to make it not feel quite as risky. Um, But one of the one of the side elements of the fact that in the last year we couldn't go to theaters is that. So many of us, if we watched any movies, we did it on our couch and we streamed them or possibly Mm. we rented them online. And so I think it's I don't think it's directly related to the fact that streaming was just so big in the last year in terms of so many people's movie going experience. Um, I don't think it's directly related to that. But Netflix had the biggest night of any studio last night. Netflix won seven total awards during the telecast. Disney Um, came in second with five, but that's only if you kind of count the fact that Nomadland was made by Searchlight, which is a legacy Fox studio, which Disney purchased a couple years ago. And so, um, you know, it, it technically Disney got three wins from Nomadland for that, just by virtue of kind of ownership. But really nobody else kind of came close to Netflix's dominance of the winds during last night's ceremony um what do you, how do you think that sort of feels and you know Netflix has been such a force in television
1: mm.
0: longer so longer than than kind of traditional Hollywood movies how do you think that that kind of fits into that that transition of streaming, you know, theatrical movies into a streaming future?
1: Yeah, it's it's it is kind of that's all part of it, isn't it? The fact that they're making more and more kind of prestige movies with that, uh, with big prestige directors like David Fincher with Mank and that kind of thing. Um, and that's the sort of film that, you know, should be opening in theaters. But it's a bit weird to have a movie coming out in theaters when you know that you're going to be able to watch it on your TV or your, on your phone in a week or whatever it is. So that is, that it, it is still an awkward relationship that hasn't shaken out yet. Um, and, uh, I, I'm kind of I can see both sides with the uh with the whole kind of Warner Brothers and um uh HBO Max deal. Um on the one hand, they've got all these movies like June and Suicide Squad and, and so on that uh, that are made for the big screen and it may cannibalise that sort of big screen experience if they're available straight away. But um, I mean, the thing about Netflix is that uh, it's great that they're throwing lots of money at sort of slightly experimental films. Whether David Fincher would be able to get a black and white film about the making of Citizen Kane into theatres is, uh, you know, is, is questionable. But the fact that, that, you know, that movie exists thanks to Netflix, which is which is a good thing. Um, so it's, it's sort of... You know, on the one hand, I, I want to be able to watch a film in any form. I, you know, I, I'm happy for people who don't live near theatres or, uh, uh, or who, you know, it would cost them like $100 to take their kids to the movies and that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, like, it, how are theatres going to survive? How are they, they going to navigate this? I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one. I mean, for me, it kind of, one of the things about the, the whole streaming thing with the, um, one of the films that was supposed to come out in theatres and ended up streaming was Greyhound. was uh, starring Tom Hanks. Which uh, which was this kind of um, made for the, made for the big screen? It's it's a, it was a movie that was nominated for best sound um, because it's got this kind of it's it, it's an action movie with all the money's up on the screen. It's an effects driven film um, with uh, with with big sound, big immersive sound. And I watched it as Tom Hanks would no doubt have uh, have have appreciated. I watched it on an iPad with the sound off. <laughs> um, because, uh, because I was on paternity leave and I had a baby on me, it was 3am in the morning. So I was, uh, I was, I had it, was watching it on an iPad and I'm glad I can see that movie, but I feel, I feel like I didn't fully get the, the, uh, the value of the Oscar nominated sound. Um, but you know, I guess uh, we all get to choose how we, how we watch these things. I guess the question is like, sometimes I feel Netflix is putting so much stuff out that a lot of it kind of sinks without trace. And you Mm -hmm. just think, you know, there's a lot of stuff we're maybe missing out on. So it's good to see the Oscars surfacing these these sort of interesting interesting stories anyway.
0: Yeah, it'll definitely be something that none of us really know, and we're all going to have to wait and see what the future of movies is going to look like once you can actually go back to the movies. Uh, Rich, to close us out, uh, if people haven't seen any of your favorite Oscars, maybe whether or not they won, what of the movies that... Got some of this, got some spotlight, got some attention during this Oscar season. What do you think should be the first ones people go watch if they haven't seen them yet?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um and
0: let's maybe leave it at leave it at two. <laughs> so leave you it at don't two. have to call uh, I mean, all, out of them, all your all babies. Of them. Um, right. I, I would say
1: uh, <laughs> The White Tiger on Netflix, that's a really good film. That's a film that um, you know, you're probably gonna go into that not knowing anything about it. And uh it's it, it yeah, that's that's a really good film. Um I would also say in the animated category, you know, the uh the, the, the Pixar movie one, great, but there's some there's some really good movies in there. There's Wolf Walkers, which was another Apple TV movie. Um, um, yeah, and uh, and listen to the sound in Greyhound as well, and tell me what it's like.
0: <laughs> Rich, thank you for your time.
1: Thank you. I'd like to thank my mom. I'd like to thank. God. I'd like to thank everybody. Thank you.
0: <laughs> this is where the music plays you out. <laughs> Check out all our Oscars coverage on cnet.com, including our calendar of movie releases. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at the Daily Charge, or sign up for direct text messages from Roger by heading to cnet.co/dailycharge. If you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Joni Salzman. Thanks for listening.